And welcome to the weekend, everybody. Mike Steele, Parker Thune with you. Parker is in the Buffalo Wild Wings studios, but I am out here at my home away from home, the one, the only, simply the best, Riverwind Casino, where tonight you can come out here, hopefully hear your name called, and win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play in the 80K winnings resolution giveaway. We also have, of course, the Showplace Theater, has been operational for a while again now, and uh, that's very popular. Uh, we have a show coming up eight days from today. Comedian Joe Coy had a rough night at the Golden Globes, but that's about as uh, tough a crowd as you're ever going to encounter. But Joe Coy and friends will be here Saturday, January 27th. We have a couple of shows in February, Air Supply and Scotty McCreary, uh, Jay Leno and Jim Gaffigan in March, two really good comedians in April, Ryan Bingham, and Kip Moore, a couple of shows in April at the Showplace. And in May, uh, Brantley Gilbert will have a show at the Showplace Theater. So always excited to be out here at Riverwind Casino where you can win a bunch of jackpots. And they kind of give you a roadmap with a lot of these promotions on how you can improve your chances of winning. Love to be out here, see uh, everybody out here, Justin Reed, Christy, Alicia, everybody. Always treat us right, and it's always a great time out here at Riverwind. Parker Thune, how are we doing on this Friday? Well, it's back to being frigid outside, Steely. So I know. I tell you, it is. this is Oklahoma weather for you in the heart of January. Um, I'm doing okay on this Friday. Obviously somewhat taken aback. I probably shouldn't be, but taken aback nonetheless by the news of what's happened at Sports Illustrated this morning that is an iconic sports brand in the journalism industry that is about to go belly up and it's sad crazy isn't it now is our man john hoover still affiliated there because the first thing i thought of was john and everybody who works there because massive layoffs it looks like it's basically the end of si right and parker you're right iconic is the word because when i was growing up as a kid man you were heading out to that mailbox. We usually got RSI on Wednesday, and every Wednesday when you'd get home from school or for me, whether it was football or basketball or baseball practice, whatever, but the minute I jumped out of that vehicle in the driveway, I was headed to the mailbox to see the SI cover. And the Sooners have had some iconic ones. I know that uh, we put one out, a question on the ref, what was your favorite OUSI cover? Mine is one of those that was pictured, which was uh, Greg Pruitt, and uh, I forget the Nebraska player that was on the cover, but that was leading up to the uh, Game of the Century game in 1971, but so many great ones. And you're right. You talk about Frank DeFord, Doug Looney, uh, some of the great writers, you know, Rick Riley. I know he's a little bit controversial now, but they've had a lot of great writers, Dan Jenkins. Uh, it was an institution, and it's a victim of our modern times. Yeah. Pretty sad. Well, and I did, so I did shoot a text to Mr. Hoover because obviously my very first full-time job at the industry was working for him under the SI umbrella, if you will, riding on the SI network. And at the time, we weren't, we weren't getting our paychecks directly from SI. It was kind of a weird organizational arrangement, so I wasn't sure whether or not he had some – safety from all of what was happening at the top with arena group and si itself so i did shoot him a text to clarify and good news i'll I'll just read you this exchange i know he wouldn't mind me sharing it he's i asked him 
Does any of the SI stuff impact y'all, or are you insulated from it since y'all aren't technically SI employees? And his response was, insulated is the right word. Fan nation still going strong. So I guess as of late, their brand is I, – I know it still was affiliated with SI, but it operates under the fan nation label now. And so, uh, yeah, from everything I understand in exchanging a few texts with him – uh, they're okay, and they're going to survive. That's good. Yeah, that, that's good news for John uh, John Hoover. Like I said, I just saw it like 10 minutes ago, and I thought, man, uh, I hope Hoover's going to be all right, Ryan Chapman, guys like that. Um, you know, because they do a nice job, and, you know, you never want to be – in this day and age, at some point, you are very likely to be a victim of a – GCB, a greedy corporate bastard. <laughs> yep, and, and there are all it, too many of those in the sports journalism yes, world. They they could care less about you. It's always the bottom line. I understand how business works, but it's it's always sad to see something like that happen. And like I said, man, you talk about uh, like I said every week, man, heading out of the mailbox to get the latest Sports Illustrated. You know, I, I would start with faces in the crowd, you know, even sometimes. And if there was a Sooner story in there or Oklahoma's on the cover, you'd jump into that. I can still remember, you know, the Marcus Dupree story. Can he coexist with his coach? The Sooners have been – I somebody probably has a number, but how many uh, times the Sooners appeared on the cover of SI? Somebody can probably fill us in, but uh, it, it's sad, man. It really is. But – you know, for a long time, we've been going the way of digital media, and uh, you've got more people out there right now who would have never gotten a job in this business. And, I, and look, I want everybody to have an employment opportunity, but you've got so many people that are out there posing as frank, fake, fake journalists when, uh, you know, you used to have to earn this stuff, work your way up, pay your dues learn how to do stuff, whether it was journalism school or not, you had to do that. In this day and age, uh, there are still some good journalists out there, and there's still some good, uh, you know, magazines and newspapers and, you know, some good TV programs out there. But the quality has gone way down, way down, because our standards in our society, in my opinion, have gone way down in some ways as well. All right, uh, Parker, let's talk about the transfer portal. All transfer portal updates brought to you by Swiftco Roofing and Construction, 405-831-8222. Brent Swift, they do a great job over there, and he will come inspect your roof or your home personally, 25 years in the construction and remodeling business, brentswift.com or 405-831-8222. All right, tell us about... Garen Hatchett. Yeah, Garen Hatchett, former starting offensive guard at the University of Washington. Blue chip recruit in the class of 2020. He's got two years of eligibility remaining and is in the transfer portal. And Oklahoma and Bill Biedenboe are a major player here. Now, Oklahoma, they were the runner-up for Hatchett out of high school. Made a strong push for his younger brother Landon as well in the twenty. In the I believe he was class of twenty twenty three. I believe he was just a freshman this past year. But 
Garen and Landon, uh, both blue chip offensive linemen from the state of Washington. Both of them are now in the transfer portal after spending the first portions of their respective collegiate careers at the University of Washington. Now, uh, as was first reported to members yesterday over at OUinsider.com, shameless plug there, good place to hang out if you want to stay in the know on all things regarding your Sooners. Uh, But Garen is going to visit OU this weekend. OU is not currently pursuing both brothers. It's only Garen. For the time being, but uh, as was reported by my colleague Brandon Drum at OU Insider, it does not sound like they are a package deal in any sense, and the Sooners have a very, very good chance of landing Garen Hatchett after just missing out on him the first time around when they made a run at him out of high school. So he would come to Norman with two years of eligibility left were he to commit to Oklahoma and obviously would be another experienced option that Bill Biedenboe could toy around with as he aims to replace all five offensive line starters heading into 2024. Okay, we are back here at Riverwind. Sorry about uh, my end there at the... uh, Last part of that segment, and we just got zapped all of a sudden real quick. So hopefully that's not going to happen again. Uh, Riverwind Casino, over 2,800 electronic games. That was actually about nine months ago. We're now up to nearly 3,000. They have the best games, best bars and dining, world-class hotel, incredible service, great promotions. Skyloft Gaming Area now upstairs connected to the hotel. Uh, you've got the Sky Bridge connecting them. You have got the Oasis Gaming Area, smoke-free environment, great promotions all the time, great dining options like the River Buffet, steak night tonight at the River Buffet, Chips and Ales Pub Restaurant. I'm located right in front of Chips and Ales. Great little menu there, quaint little place to have a great meal and watch the game, and they've got a great food court as well here at Riverwind Casino. Okay, Parker, so we've got Baker Mayfield in action on Sunday Buccaneers at the Lions. The Lions are a a six-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. We start uh, the divisional round tomorrow with the Texans at the Ravens at 3.30. Mark Andrews will not play, might be able to play in the AFC Championship game if the Ravens win, and they're a a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Green Bay at the 49ers tomorrow night, 7.15 on Fox. The Texans-Ravens game, 3.30 is an ABC ESPN telecast, and then on Sunday again, Tampa Bay at the Lions on NBC at 2 o'clock, and then the Chiefs at Buffalo, 5.30 on CBS. But somehow I found this on my timeline, and I'm like, really? I did not know that. But Boston Sports Radio host Steve Pappas has an interesting story concerning Bill Belichick and a player that's pretty popular around here, here's what he had to say. This is unbelievable. So last week we heard from Seth Wickersham, the article that came out, that Bill Belichick wanted to trade Mac Jones in the offseason. And Robert Kraft came in and said, no, you can't. We obviously know, based upon that, that Bill was not a Mac Jones guy and tried to trade him in the offseason. Well, I just come to find out, do you know the player, the plan that Bill Belichick wanted if he traded Mac Jones? It was going to be to sign Baker Mayfield. And Robert Kraft 
put the kibosh on Bill Belichick trading Mac Jones and signing Baker Mayfield. Ooh, he put the kibosh on it, Steele. That's right. That's exactly right. How about that? He went on to say that Belichick was has always been a Baker fan. In fact, they had thought about very seriously, never got to do it because he also said they were going to try and trade up if the Browns hadn't taken Baker Mayfield number one in the draft. That they were they liked him so much that they were willing to move up and uh, potentially get Baker Mayfield at number two in that draft. So maybe we'll see where Bill Belichick lands. You know, he's I know he's interviewed with the Falcons. Mike Florio says there's a chance that Andy Reid might retire after uh, the playoffs. Take that for what it's worth. It's Mike Florio. But who knows? It looks to me like I, I would be really surprised if the Buccaneers didn't offer more in a long-term deal. In fact, there's even a Texas Longhorn who was on the airwaves yesterday, Emmanuel Acho, saying that there's no doubt that number six deserves a long-term deal. We have data that what Baker is doing and has done in Tampa is actually very, very hard to do. You go to a new team with four months of an offseason and take that team to the playoffs, replacing the objectively and undebated greatest quarterback in the history of football. What Baker has done has clearly earned himself a long-term deal. And more than anything, the numbers speak for themselves. My dog has two seasons in the last four years, 25 passing touchdowns and 10 or less picks. Only six quarterbacks can say that. And he's done it with two different franchises, two different offensive coordinators, two different wide receiving cores, two different coaching schemes, two different cities. It's hard to do. He's earned himself a long-term deal. There you go. Emmanuel Acho yesterday talking about Baker deserving that deal. And, Parker, I, you know, I, I just can't see it unless – and even if Baker has a rough day against the Lions, and he may have had his worst regular season game of this season against Detroit earlier in the year when the Lions won by two touchdowns in Tampa. But I, I just think that Baker's done enough, don't you? They, Baker has done more than enough, Steely. And if he goes and pulls an upset on Sunday – afternoon in Detroit and knocks off the Lions in their building. I mean, I think it's already sealed, but that would officially remove any doubt whatsoever that Baker Mayfield, I'm sorry, Tampa Bay Buccaneers franchise quarterback Baker R. Mayfield is going to get a long-term extension in the offseason because he has been wondrous. And I'm glad, you know, that was an interesting little uh, story that was shared by Steve Happis from the Boston sports radio scene. But I am glad for Baker's sake he ended up in Tampa Bay instead of New England because I think he fared better in Tampa Bay than he would have in New England. Everything has played out exactly as it needed to this year for him in order to cement himself as a long-term starter somewhere. And I, for one, Steely, am very, very glad that it's my Buccaneers that get to benefit from the budding greatness of Baker Mayfield. I mean... I shouldn't say budding. We've all known he had the potential to be great. He's just been stuck in some really crappy situations for years and years and years. Now he's finally landed somewhere in Tampa Bay where he doesn't have utter chaos around him. It's not an organizational dumpster fire. And lo and behold, he's having great success. 
Yep, no doubt about it. And those are our Ortho Central clips of the day, brought to you by our friends at Ortho Central with clinics in Norman, Midwest City, now in the Tri-City area as well. Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard, they do a great job great job at ortho central treating orthopedic and sports medicine injuries they are considered the best okay college hoops tomorrow oklahoma at cincinnati the sooners 15th in the country 14 and 3 on the year nice home court victory 14 point winner over west virginia uh wednesday night uh you look at cincinnati on the year 13 and 4 their losses at Xavier by five. They did lose at home to Dayton by 14. But Dayton is the best team in the Atlantic 10. They're 14-2, and two, Dayton. Now, again, surprising they won at Cincinnati, but Dayton's got a good squad. They lost at home to Texas by one and at Baylor by three. This is a big physical team that the Sooners, again, who, what's going to happen? You're going to have to play Luke Wet. You know, Norweather a little bit more. Uh, maybe you're going to see John Hughley and, uh, you know, Sam Gobbin out there uh, out there as well. And, you know, you just look at this is one of the best rebounding teams in college basketball. That's been an issue for Oklahoma. Stylistic matchup, contrasting styles. The Sooners, you know, that Porter wants to turn you over. He's got a very athletic team. They get out in the open court. That's a good situation for Oklahoma. Cincinnati's going to play a bigger brand of basketball, get very physical, crash the boards. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how this plays out tomorrow in Cincy, Parker. It will be, Steely, and you bring up Dayton. Dayton is the one team, and this will always be seared into my memory, I don't think anybody got screwed by the COVID-19 pandemic and the cancellation of March Madness that year quite like Dayton because Dayton had a team that was number one in the nation for a time, probably bound for the Final Four and had a good shot to win the national championship, easily the best basketball team that that university has ever fielded, and they never got a chance to make a run at a title because obviously there was no tournament that year. Which I, anytime, yeah. anytime Dayton basketball gets brought up these days, that's what I think of. That year that they had Obi Toppin and looked for all the world like they could be a national championship team. But, man, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what the rest of Big 12 play brings for Porter Moser and this crew. And, look, one of the things that we've learned in years past is that you never count, their, never count your chickens before they're hatched in the Big 12 because you can start hot and it all can come undone very quickly in this conference, but man, I like this bunch that Porter has. They're athletic. They've got great guard play. If the front court can come along and you can solidify your play in the paint, man, this is a team that can go deep in March Madness. And as we've seen in the past at Loyola Chicago, Porter doesn't necessarily need a loaded squad to go deep in March Madness. So you put him in the tournament field, he can make stuff happen. Yeah, and, and uh, again, tomorrow, Sam Godwin, who's been good for OU. He's a tough kid, man. He's got some ability. But uh, Cincinnati's got a couple kids that are near seven feet, you know, in the starting lineup. So John Hughley's going to have to play uh, solid basketball. You maybe put Luke Nordweather out there again. He's knocked down some threes recently. He's got pretty good range, no doubt about it. Maybe he plays some extra minutes tomorrow, but it'll be interesting. Cincinnati's 
best wins. We talked about their losses. They won at BYU by 11, and probably their other best win was the victory over TCU in overtime at home on Tuesday night. So Oklahoma-Cincinnati, noon tomorrow on ESPN+. Plus. Oklahoma, number five in the latest uh, Joe Lenardi bracketology uh, rankings that were released yesterday. So there you go. Also in the Big 12 tomorrow, you got Baylor at Texas, 11 a.m. on ESPN. UCF at number five, Houston, 1 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Iowa State and TCU, top 25 matchup in Fort Worth. 1 o'clock on ESPNU. Kansas goes to Morgantown to play West Virginia, 3 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. BYU at Texas Tech, 5 o'clock tip there in Lubbock, ESPN2 telecast, and Oklahoma State at K-State from Bramlage. Cowboys winless in the league at 0-4, 6 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. By the way, right before we go to a break, can you pull up the Kelvin clip? Houston's got a really good basketball team, but there's a big difference between the conferences, you know, where Houston was a year ago and where Houston is this year. And, you know, some of the Houston fan base, they got a victory over Tech the other night, but some of the Houston fans, hey, what's going on here, man? What's what's the deal, Kelvin? Here's Kelvin Sampson the other night talking about life on the road in the Big 12. Not an easy thing. You know, we're still on a learning curve. You know, and this, this league is brutal, man. You know, and that was the number 25 team in the nation. And I'm sure people's going to overreact at their place. Like, what happened to you guys? Why did you struggle on the – it's the road in the Big 12. Teams lose. Good teams lose on the road in the Big 12. And, and the good teams win at home in the uh, Big 12. And we're no different than anybody else. There you go. And they're still really good. And uh, Houston – you know, going through the Big 12, they, you know, uh, if they pan out and play like they're supposed to play, uh, you know, I still think uh, the Cougars and Kansas, best two teams in the conference. We'll see how it plays out. But maybe they'll be a little bit more battle-tested, uh, you know, if they can make another run to the Final Four. And the job, again, that Kelvin has done at Houston has been absolutely remarkable thus far. Okay, break time right here. Coming back, huge win Huge win for the Oklahoma City Thunder last night. And Brandon Rabar is going to join us because Oklahoma City plays at Minnesota tomorrow night. Top two seeds in the West. Uh, Minnesota one, Oklahoma City two. Minnesota's second best record in the league. Thunder tied for third with Milwaukee. Boston's number one. Last time out, Oklahoma City buried the Timberwolves in OKC by 23. You want to hear from Brandon Rabar coming up? And what Draymond Green said about J-Dub, I think he's a big fan. We'll have that coming up next here on The Ref. Yes, Utah got thunderstruck last night. We are back at Riverwind Casino tonight. Drawings, preliminary drawings, early in the evening on up till right around midnight. Get on out here and win $80,000, 80K in cash and bonus play. Why not come out and win your share here at Riverwind Casino tonight and have a great meal at the River Buffet, steak night, always a great deal. You've got uh, Chips and Ales Pub Restaurant, a great food court, always something happening here at Riverwind Casino. Brandon Rabar, DailyThunder.com, joins us on the Riverwind Casino hotline. Brandon, before I uh, get into the first question about a great victory last night, Draymond Green on his podcast 
continues to talk very highly about J-Dub. And J-Dub was amazing last night. He's been the best clutch player for about the last month in the NBA, particularly late in games. He's been unbelievable. But let's hear what Draymond Green said yesterday about Jalen Williams, J-Dub of the Thunder. Jalen Williams, the guard from Santa Clara, a special, special dude can shoot. He can pass. He can handle. He can finish. He can defend. <clears throat> he has great size. Uh, so he can guard multiple positions. He's athletic. He's great in the pick and roll. Like, Jalen Williams is special. And over under two years before he's an all-star himself, I'm going to take the under. There you go, Brandon. And, uh, man, he was unbelievable last night when he's been out there as the number one option when he comes out there sometimes with other guys resting. I mean, he has been tremendous. Just your thoughts on uh, what J-Dub is doing again in his second year. He had a great rookie year, and the kid continues to get better and better. Yeah, Draymond Green saying that about J-Dub for Thunder fans reminds me of that meme that's uh, when the worst person you know says something that you agree with. (laughs) 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 I I, I do agree. I hate to say it. I do agree with Draymond. J-Dub has been incredible. He actually leads the entire NBA in fourth quarter scoring in the month of January. He's averaging over 21 points a game in January. Um, He's shooting – uh, like 65%, I think, from three in January. And for the season, he's shooting nearly 47% from three. Um, you know, he finished second in Rookie of the Year voting. There was there was some media who felt like kind of it was, it was under the radar, but there were some people who actually felt like he had a better season than Paulo Bancaro. Paulo had the better counting stats, but Jada was so efficient last year with his touches. And we're seeing that again this year. He has been uh, really, really good, and he really does look like he has all-star potential in the future. Brandon, how about Cason Wallace? 16 points, a career high against the Jazz, 4 for 5 from beyond the arc. So quite evidently, it's not just about this new big three in Oklahoma City, not just about J-Dub and J-Will, but the Thunder can dig into the bench and get contributions as well. Yeah, Kaysen Wallace, 20 years old, started the season as a 19-year-old, one of the youngest players in the NBA, OKC's number 10 overall pick. He started last night because Lou Dort was sick, and he stepped up in a big way. Uh, He hit four or five from three, and one of those was kind of the dagger three-pointer with 50 seconds left in the game. There was, you know, Utah was within striking distance, and Kaysen hit that three, and that was game over. Kaysen played really, really well last night. No doubt he's a 3-and-D guy. He's been phenomenal. And, uh, you know, the Sam Presti getting all those draft picks, and there's still still a stockpile. Man, they've done a great, great job. When you think back, man, at one of the great drafts in the history of the NBA, when you get J-Dub and Chet Holmgren in the same draft, that's pretty pretty darn good. And then you, uh, you know, who knows how Usman Jang's going to pan out. The kid's got some ability. But uh, those two, and then Kaysen Wallace again. Uh, by the way, great pass from J-Dub to set him up, too. He was, both those guys were phenomenal. All right, so last night, Lori Marketing, 26 points, 10 rebounds. The Pacers made the deal for Pascal Siakam. Uh, 
with Oklahoma City on pace. You know, you're 28-13 at the midway point of the season, so you're on pace to win 56. I think Oklahoma City could make a deep run of the playoffs. Do you think a guy like Marketing uh, is more in play uh, than people may have, may have thought earlier in the season? Uh, that's a good question because I think that as well as OKC is playing, I could see two different arguments for it. You could say, well, you know, ride it out with this squad. Uh, you know, they've, they've got this far. Let's see how far they can go. And maybe in the playoffs you'll see what is exposed, what weaknesses there may or may not be in a seven-game series, and then you make a move in the offseason. But on the flip side of that, like you said, they're doing this well, and there is some, some obvious things they could shore up, like, you know, a little bit more size, a um, little bit more rebounding, another big to go along with Chet, either to come off the bench or to play along with Chet at the four. Um, I do think that Laurie Markinen, you know, he's kind of been the, the Thunder fan favorite for a trade. The problem now is that Utah is playing really, really well. It looked like early on in the season Utah might be tanking, uh, but they've turned it around, and they're over 500. Uh, they're within, you know, chances here are they may make the play-in, which is actually good for the Thunder because they have their number one pick next year. So I don't know if they'll be more or less willing to trade Lori now, but I do think that the Thunder are in play for maybe possibly, you know, a, a role-playing big. Okay, Brandon, so with that said, I'm going to ask you to play GM here. What are you doing if you're in charge, if you're Sam Presti, what do you feel like the Thunder need to shore up and reasonably can shore up with the assets they have at their disposal in order to prepare for what Thunder fans certainly hope is a deep playoff run? Yeah, I, I would go for a, a four that's like six eight, six nine. maybe get a 6'10 dude with a nice wingspan, get you some rebounds, play some defense, but it's not going to cost you a lot of assets. And then this summer, after a playoff run, you can kind of reevaluate. You know, I've seen names like Isaiah Stewart from the Pistons, something like that. I uh, wouldn't cost you much. Kelly Olenek, uh, also from the Jazz last night. Maybe they're not willing to trade Laurie Markkinen uh, because he's playing so well and it looks like he might make another all-star game. Uh, but they would trade Olenek, and that would help out the Thunder. He's a stretch big, get some rebounds, uh, play a little bit of D. I would make a move like that if, if I was GM of the, of the Thunder this year. Brandon Urbar with us, Oklahoma City Thunder uh, reporter, Daily Thunder, and uh, does a great job. All right, last question. You know, there was some thought when these trade scenarios were thrown out there. Number one, Oklahoma City has, again, just a war chest of draft picks, so many still out there available that they can use. But there was also a thought that, hey, you know, if there's an odd man out, it's going to be Josh Giddy. Will he get cleared in the investigation? And Josh Giddy's been playing really well. It looked like maybe he was kind of the guy who didn't fit in this new puzzle, but man, lately he's been uh, he's been pretty good too. You look at his line last night: uh, twenty, ten rebounds, six assists. Uh, what do you think the future holds for Josh Giddy in Oklahoma City now? Yeah, Josh has really, really kind of turned it around this month. He's been playing really well, like you said, and you know. We talk about the Thunder's rebounding. He's been really good at rebounding, uh, one of the Thunder's best rebounders. And Josh elevating his play to what we've seen the previous two seasons only helps the Thunder. And either way you look at it, whether it's 
he stays on the Thunder and he's a part of this core moving forward. That's a positive for the Thunder, obviously. But if he is the odd man out because of fit or what have you and they want to make a move for Laurie Markinen or one of those type of guys, he ups his trade value because he's still just a 21-year-old, uh, third-year guy, triple-double watch almost every game. So him playing really, really well uh, only helps the Thunder in either of those two ways. I, I do think, at least for the rest of the season, I don't see them trading Josh uh, this season. I think they'd like to ride it out this season with Josh. Uh, in the off season. like I said, maybe reevaluate. Maybe there's something there. But I think at least for the rest of the season, Giddy's probably with the Thunder. All right, Brandon. We pre- Hey, man, sorry about your Dallas Cowboys. I'm, are you happy that Mike McCarthy's coming back? Man, it's... <laughs> You know, you know what they say about the the definition of insanity is is doing the exact same thing and expecting a different result. That's how it feels as a Dallas Cowboy fan. Three straight years of twelve wins in the regular season, which is great and all, uh, but one playoff win to show for it. So no, with Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh out there and reportedly interested in the position, uh, I like Big Mike. But no, I can't say I'm happy that he's. He's coming back when those options were on the table. Brutal. It was a tough. Uh, it was a tough last weekend for Brandon and Cowboy fans, no doubt. Hey, Brandon, great stuff, man. It's so much fun talking about the Thunder again because here's how I know the Thunder are back. Uh, Shay loves watching Sooner football. She loves watching Baker Mayfield play. And now, when I ask, do you want to watch the Thunder? I can watch the. You know, I watch the Thunder on the phone here, and we can watch her Netflix, whatever series we're on. She get, and she she's saying every time now, I want to watch the Thunder. So nice. the Thunder gets the main screen every night now. That nice. is what I call winning right there. Brandon, I appreciate you, my friend. We'll talk to you again soon. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Brandon Rivard, great reporter, one of the nicest dudes out there, too. I uh, love having Brandon on. All right, let's break. You guys... 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We'll start getting to some texts. We've got a little more uh, breathing room next hour. We are going to have another Brandon. Once again, we're doubling up on Brandons today. Brandon Drum, OU Insider, Parker's colleague, coming up at 135, talking what else? Sooner sports, mainly football. We shall return right here on The Ref. I also want to thank our friends at Lasher Home Comfort Systems for sponsoring our number one here on Steel Man and Thune, live at Riverwind Casino today, as we are each and every Friday. Tim Lasher, great Sooner, big-time company. Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. All right, Knippemeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. You get the news. It looks like Sports Illustrated may be done. Parker, do we do we get the feeling that they're completely done, or is there going to be some kind of ridiculous restructuring? You mean like Twinkies? Like everybody thought Twinkies were gone forever, and then the yes, next year they're back on shelves? Right. I mean, I hope so. I think the preservation of Sports Illustrated is a good thing for sports journalism because it's historic. I mean, as I, as I mentioned – For me, it's quite personal because my first full-time job in the industry was working for Sports Illustrated, writing for the SI Network. And, look, I don't know what's going to happen, but apparently we can't have any nice things. Nothing can stay the same, Steely, because in the span of 24 hours, not only have we lost Sports Illustrated, but we've lost Penny Hill Deli as well. 
What a modern yeah, tragedy. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, think of the, some of the stuff that we've lost. Sooner Dairy Lunch not too long ago, too, which was a Norman institution. Uh, the service station. I, I keep telling you the meteor is on the way. And one of the signs is if Sports Illustrated completely folds, the meteor moves one year closer to the earth. And uh, it's going to destroy all these fools that have caused this. And the GCBs, the greedy corporate bastards who destroy everything. Right? Somebody's on a yacht in the Bahamas right now, smoking a cigar, drinking some Pappy Van Winkle, and having a smile on his face. I just destroyed Sports Illustrated, but I'm going to make millions out of the deal. Yeah, Sad. We had a you know, uh, think about. Go ahead. No, I was going to say. Frat bro Mark on the text line said, SI's original devastation came in 1979. My buddy and I ran home after school to get the swimsuit edition, and his mother had confiscated it. Oh, yeah. The swimsuit issue was pretty big. Pretty. Who is the best swimsuit? Let's see. Kathy Ireland's in the running. Uh, Kathy Ireland would probably be number one for me. Tyra Banks was on the cover. Cheryl Teagues was on the cover. Christy Brinkley was on the cover. There were a lot of them. But, yeah, the uh, the SI swimsuit issue was a coveted issue by young men back in the day. I can think of some of the staples of my childhood when you think of sports. Sports Illustrated, definitely one of those staples. Uh, Nerf hoops, electric football games, wiffle ball sets. Probably in the early years, those would be there. You had to have a Nerf hoop because you could dunk on it, you know, and uh, you'd have some very bruising battles on your Nerf hoop indoors. Uh, everybody loved wiffle ball because you could throw a curveball, you know, like the best major league pitchers out there. And then you uh, electric football, we had that, or I got that. My brother, I think, got one set growing up, but we got that every Christmas. And Sports Illustrated was one of the big moments of the week, again, when it was in the mailbox. But we went digital, which there are a lot of great things about the new technology. I know I'm an old man yelling at a cloud a lot. There are a lot of great things about it. But it's also dumbed us down in many ways. And that's why I think the AI robot army will eventually take us all down. It'll be the meteor first, and the second wave will be the AI robot army that destroys and some of these people the uh, the fake insiders you know the uh, panderers and the philanderers and all those people they deserve it but uh, maybe we can survive parker maybe we can survive so but you've only pretty much known digital journalism Right? Now, I'm sure you got some SIs from back in the day. Oh, yeah, that's what I grew up on, was the but, SI magazines. And when you think of great writers, Dan Jenkins, Frank DeFord, doesn't get any better than those two uh, from SI. Then, you know, Rick Riley, some people really don't like him because he tweets about politics a lot. But um, who's, who's the creepy dude who used to... Cover OU basketball a lot. Curry Kirkpatrick. Google him up. Okay. He uh, he was kind of a uh, he he's creepy. You say 
I creepy, yes. I think he was from a distant galaxy posing as a real human journalist. If there are aliens walking among us, Curry Kirkpatrick might be one of those. <laughs> I think he's still around. Did you Google him? Oh, I Googled him all right. And? He's got quite the extensive uh, resume, it would appear. I'm going to have to dig more into him in the break. OU was so mad back in the day with Doug Looney because he wrote the story, you know, about Marcus Dupree and was on the cover, Can He Coexist with His Coach? The uh, Sooners were not real happy about that. And, uh, oh, hell, damn, Doug Looney, you know, got after us again. You know, I don't think Switzer liked Doug Looney very much, at least at that time, because that was after Marcus ran for, like, I don't know, 280 yards or whatever it was in the Fiesta Bowl. And uh, Switzer was kind of tough on him and said, oh, hell, you know, if he'd been in better shape, he'd have gone for 400, you know. And Marcus, despite looking like a man-child, was still a little bit sensitive. And uh, the sophomore year didn't work out. After the Texas game, he was gone. So, anyway. But he's back in the Sooner family now, which is a good thing. But, yeah, that's one of the uh, the dreaded. And, of course, really, that one and uh, Charles Thompson, of course, in the orange jumpsuit. And I love Charles, and he's turned his life around after that incident. But uh, that one was was not a good one. It was not a good look. All right, we've got another hour to go. Let's get to the text line when we get back. Brandon Drum coming up at 135. Keep it here on the ref. One of them actually at Riverwind. Good to have you with us as we venture into hour number two. I am here live at Riverwind Casino tonight. Big drawings. Come on out here and participate in the 80K winning resolutions giveaway. And uh, you can win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play. They're giving away in this great promotion. They, uh, they name their uh, five Super Bowl trip winners in the uh, Neon Town, first down in Neon Town promotion. Five lucky Riverwind patrons are heading to the game in Vegas courtesy of our friends here at Riverwind. And, again, they are getting their game tickets, airfare, hotel, ground transportation, plus $1,000 in cash. And they were very happy, again, to, uh, to get rewarded like that because all of those individual trips are worth $25,000. So Riverwind Casino, nearly 3,000 electronic games, brand-new gaming area, Skyloft gaming area upstairs attached to the casino, Oasis gaming area that's smoke-free. They've got all your favorite table games as well. Great promotions, the very best in the business. The marketing and promotions team here is second to none. Great restaurant options as well. The River Buffet, Chips and Ales Pub Restaurant, and a great food court. So Riverwind Casino, best casino experience in the metro area. And uh, hour number two presented by Oklahoma Generator, Oklahoma's highest rated and longest operating Generac dealer. You can check them out online at okgen.com okgen.com or call 405-321-6631 before we get to the text line we've got to decide the winner of the dumbass clip of the week and there are two contenders let's start with in this corner out of austin texas weighing in at how many pounds i'm not sure 
It is Longhorn basketball coach Rodney Terry. Here we go. You're a stupid dumbass. <laughs> you know, I'm a big believer in, uh, you know, you win the right way, you lose the right way. And, you know, I always tell my guys, you know, um, whether you win or lose, you win the right way. You lose the right way. You carry yourself the right way. You don't go through the handshake line or proud to get into the handshake line and have about six or seven guys putting the horns down. We don't do that, you know, because when you do those kind of things, it looks very classless, and it also looks like you were just hoping to win. We sure don't step on anyone's home court deal and act crazy and try to show them up in any way. We don't do that, you know. So that's what I was angry about, and I was letting those guys know you don't do that, you know. You guys won. Hey, we shake, you know, shake your hand, tip our hat to you, but we're not going to let you act that way in our building. You're not going to do that. You're not going to put your horns down and do all that nonsense. Whoa! <laughs> Shut up, dumbass. <clears throat> what a bunch of dumbasses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> and in the other corner, from parts unknown, a NFL reporter asking Todd Bowles, a very interesting question about the upcoming game in Detroit this weekend. Here's how that went down. You're a stupid dumbass. <laughs> Looking forward towards um, Detroit. Um, the weather has been a factor in some of the playoff games, even for the most prepared teams. Uh, today it's uh, 13 in uh, Detroit, which doesn't compare to some of the temperatures we tend to talk to. Any special plans to acclimate the team to not only uh, endure but perform in those kind of frigid temperatures should you face them in Detroit? You do know we play indoors, right? And they got a dome. I don't um, No, nothing planned. We're, we're indoors, and we only have to be outside for 20 seconds getting off the bus going under the thing, so we'll be okay. Whoa! <laughs> Shut up, dumbass. <clears throat> What a bunch of dumbasses. <laughs> I'm just wondering how you recover from that as a reporter, Steely. Because, look, I, I, I've i asked stupid questions at press conferences. It happens to everybody. Uh, you, you're not necessarily – it's not like you play in for a stupid question to be a stupid question. It's not like you show up like, hmm, I think I'm going to ask a stupid question today. But it does happen. But, like, that level of stupidity – not even understanding or realizing that the frigid temperatures aren't going to come into play because the Lions play in a dome and have for literally the last half century. I like. I don't know how. How do you look around the room in that moment and expect that anybody is taking you seriously? Yeah, that that's a tough one to recover from. And I'm wondering again if that was a like a real sports reporter or if they had like a news for a news person go, "Hey, we're short a sports guy today. Any chance you can just get over to Todd Bowles presser for us?" You know, you don't even have to ask a question. I guess if you want to, you can, but I don't know. I don't know the the story on it. All right, you've got to pick a winner, Parker Thune. You decide the winner, Rodney Terry or the reporter. Which one was the worst? Well, if I wanted to be psychophantic about it, I would obviously go Rodney Terry because that's going to play the best with OU fans. But just in terms of sheer stupidity, I find it hard not to go with that reporter. And look, with the way that TV stations have constrained their budgets of late, 
I mean, I, ha- I obviously went through journalism school with many, many friends, many peers who now work in television, uh, either reporting on sports, on news, doing meteorology. But like, I, have, I have many friends across the industry who work insane hours to bring home their paychecks because they are understaffed and overextended. And so I don't question that that reporter that asked Todd Bowles about the frigid temperatures in Detroit was somebody that absolutely had no idea what they were getting themselves into going to a press conference in Tampa Bay. But that just underscores another one. And like that plus Sports Illustrated's demise today underscores a very, very painful but very poignant reality in the sports journalism community. And that is that the suits, the people at the top, the decision makers will do anything, even if it means compromising journalistic integrity or quality in the name of saving a buck. Yeah, and they've uh, helped give it, given rise to the uh, some of the absolute goopballs out there who uh, actually get people to, you know, believe what they're saying. But that's just how it is this in this day and age. That's how it is. All right, uh, 405-651-3439. Meyer Chevrolet text line. We do have Brandon Drum coming up, 135 on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Let's get to some texts. I've been keeping people waiting way too long. It's been a busy show today. Johnny from UConn wants to know, what is the dumbest question asked for both of you? You go first, Steely. God, I, I mean, seriously, I'm not saying, you know, I'm like some Edward R. Murrow award winner or anything, but I can't remember a dumb question. I, some really? are better than others, but I, I mean, I just, I maybe I just can't remember, but if I can think of one, I mean, they were, I, I just can't think of one that was, I, I cringed at and go, yeah, that was not good. But again... My old man memory fails me some. If I think of one, I'm not afraid to tell you, but um, I'll try and see if my brain works. So you have one you, oh, I do. that you I know do. of. I do. And okay. Look, it, it's not often in this business over the course of my four years full-time, six-ish years total, uh, that I have gotten starstruck. But I will freely acknowledge that the first and only time I sat in a press conference room in the presence of Bob Stoops, I was a little starstruck. This was December of 2021. Stoops was the interim head coach after Mule Shoe Mule Shoed. And I can't recall what I intended to ask Bob Stoops. I think it was signing day. I think it was the signing day press conference. And I don't remember what I intended to ask Bob Stoops, but the second Mike Houck called on me at the press conference, I just completely blanked on the question. And I had no idea, and I kind of fumbled for a second, and I ended up asking some canned question that Bob had probably been asked 20 or 30 times already about – uh, the process of taking over and agreeing to take over as interim head coach for the bowl game after Mule Shoe did his Mule Shoe uh, buffoonery. 
And so I did you ask him? To, did you ask him a talk about question? Can you talk about? I did not. I did not. They were, no, I did not say talk about. That is not that is generally not in my vocabulary when I show up at press conferences. There was no talk about from me. But uh, you know, Bob Stoops is not somebody that you show up unprepared for. So immediately, like I'm just mortified. I'm like, oh, seriously, of all the people I could have spaced on a question in front of. It had to be Bob Stoops because Bob is very intense. Bob is very serious. Like, you don't have a question ready for Bob. You know Bob's going to look at you like, what What are we doing here? And so, uh, yes, it was quite mortifying. Bob gave me a gracious answer to whatever question it was that I ended up asking. But in that moment, I was like, well, okay, that's it. I have officially asked a stupid question. I am that guy today. Well, and there are different versions of Bob. There's Podium Bob, OU Coach Bob, there's Belmar Bob, there's Rock and Roll Tequila Bob. You know, when Bob's not at the podium, he's pretty damn personable, pretty funny. He's got some great stories, seems to do, uh, well, he does a really good job, you know, both at Sellout Crowd and at, at, when he's on with us at the ref. Great stuff. Uh, but you're in a different situation when you're representing the university at the podium. So, yeah, and Bob could deliver a one-two punch <laughs> to John Hoover. His That was the Ollie Frazier of uh, <laughs> journalistic battles back in the day. Okay, I'll give you one, and I told this. I'll try and tell it as quickly as I can. This I can't remember the question. I think I told this story about a month ago. You know, I was working. I think I was – I think I had just turned 19, and I was doing stuff around – the station, what was then KNOR, we did a lot of sports, and uh, Tim Stevenson, who was part of the ownership group and a really good guy, for whatever reason, he couldn't make the Barry Switzer show that they recorded. You know, they would go talk to Coach Switzer, and uh, I think it was a daily thing or at least three times a week, something like that. Anyway, they ran out of options, so Tim said, Mike, any chance you go? Uh, can you go interview Coach Switzer for us for the uh, – the Barry Switzer Show, the radio show, brought to you by Borden. If it's Borden, it's got to be good. <laughs> so I, of course, said, uh, yeah, sure, not a problem. All right, well, Kay's the uh, secretary. Here's what time you go over there. So I had my Marantz recorder and uh, walked in there, getting to Coach Switzer's office, and I'm kind of, I can feel my right hand holding the mic starting to shake a little bit. I'm like, dude, come on, man. And I think my first question was something like, something like that. And Coach Switzer kind of, you know, tapped me on the shoulder and said, Mike, do you want to start this over? Because I was speaking gibberish. I thought I had it under control, but I was so nervous. So it really wasn't a question. It was just a uh, me completely choking on trying to ask the first question. But after that, that settled me down, and I thought the interview turned out to be pretty good after that. But, again, if you've ever seen the movie The Jerk, go look at the scene where Steve – you might pull this up on YouTube. Steve Martin and The Jerk reading the letter in the bathtub. That's what my first question sounded like. We might be able to find that. It was, it was bad. So that's mine. All right, let's take a break. We'll get back to the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. You guys have been super patient today. Thank you. We're going to get to as many as we can in the next segment. Keep it right here on the home of Sooner fans.
That was uh, basically uh, my first question to Barry Switzer before we uh, started the interview over. Way back, way back in the uh, early 80s. That's pretty much what it sounded like right there. All right, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Today, uh, one day closer to the uh, doomsday clock hitting midnights because it looks like Sports Illustrated's out of business. The uh, GCBs, the greedy corporate bastards, got them. And uh, who knows if there will be any kind of restructuring or if it comes back. The public outcry will be, uh, I, I don't know if it will be immense, but a lot of people will be disappointed, and we'll see if they have a heart or not, And uh, which is bad because there's another bastion of journalism that goes by the wayside, which uh, paves the way for more total posers to put out a bunch of bull stuff and uh, – and just pander to a fan base to get clicks. Well, and you know so. what the Arena Group, which owns SI, got caught doing a couple months ago, right? And the SI Writers Union was justifiably pissed about it, was Arena was having AI bots write articles under the guise of being real people. And, like, right. they had real bios on the websites and all that. And so, like... I saw a great tweet earlier from Kevin Clark, who's a longtime sports writer. I believe he worked at The Ringer for quite a while. But he tweeted, generally, I know the exact tweet was, it is broadly a good thing when people who buy things like the things that they buy. And that is not the case with Sports Illustrated and unfortunately not the case with several other sports media entities that have met their demise in recent years. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I like it. I didn't know that was the group, but it makes sense because people were talking, that's an AI story, and it's totally ridiculous. But more and more machines replacing people. And I've kind of kidded about the AI robot army taking us all down one day, but not totally. I'm about 10% serious, and now with today's news, I'm up to 15% serious. Okay. 405-651-3439, Riverwind Casino here on a Friday. Brandon Drum will join us on the Riverwind Casino hotline in the next segment. What do we have, Parker? Yeah, before we get the text line, I'll just say this. And I don't mean to get political, not what I'm trying to do, but AI is going to need to be regulated at some point by the government because it is objectively not a good thing when used in improper manners, such as to write articles that mimic the style and share the same byline as actual human beings. Not good. Objectively not good. Uh, On the text line, a listener in the 405 says, Mr. Thune. Wow, it is not often I'm addressed that way. Mr. Thune, it is obvious that OU is in the NIL game with the classes that they have signed recruiting-wise and even some of the portal additions they've made. So why is it that it's only offensive line that it feels like we are striking out on recruits and portal? Well, Bill Biedenboe didn't strike out on the recruiting trail in the class of 2024. Far from it. He signed the number one offensive guard in the nation in Eddie Pierre-Louis. He signed the number one international prospect in Daniel Akinkunmi. And he signed the guy that was unanimously voted and nominated as the top performer at minimum top two among offensive linemen at the All-American game in B.J. Brooks. So 
Bill certainly did not strike out on the recruiting trail in the class of 2024. Now, I understand why there is that uh, stigma, if you will, that feeling, that perception with regard to the portal because Oklahoma is not going to get Zalance Hurd. They did not get Terrence Ferguson. Their portal additions on the offensive line thus far consist of Fibeci Nawawu, Michael Tarquin, and now I'm spacing. Who's the other guy, Steely? Spencer Brown. There you go. Yeah, um, Michigan State kid. Yeah, so that's what Oklahoma's gotten in the portal thus far. They're obviously aiming to land Washington transfer Garen Hatchett. Now, the reason it feels like, to use your words, listener in the 405, the reason why it feels like Bedenbow and OU are striking out in the portal on the offensive line is because if you're going to get a truly elite offensive tackle in the transfer portal, the likes of a Lance Hurd, it is going to cost you a boatload of money. And I do mean a boatload. What Tennessee is prepared to pay for Lance Hurd, and I'm not going to disclose the exact number because it's not my place to do so, and a lot more harm than good can result if I did so. But what Tennessee is prepared to pay Lance Hurd, I will tell you this much, would be over twice as much what anyone is making at OU. And that includes a couple guys that are going to be early round draft picks, would have been early round draft picks this year in Billy Bowman and Danny Stutzman. And moreover, were I to tell you that price, you would agree, okay, by anyone's definition, that is way too much to pay for a single offensive lineman. There you go. By the way, and I think part of what's going on is, you know, Sooner fans are also seeing, like, uh, Texas got Amari Nyblack, right, the tight end from Alabama yesterday, too. Yeah. I mean, they're just adding Bama's receiving core to replace their receiving core from a year ago. So now they've replaced uh, Jatavion Sanders as well. Uh What do you think of what Texas is doing in the portal? I mean, it looks pretty good. Well, Texas is doing well for themselves in the portal, but – Texas has more to replace than OU in the portal. And that's the distinction you have to make, right? Because every situation is not created equal. Not every Power 5 school is starting from the same point with regard to what they add and what they need to add in the transfer portal. For instance, Texas could revamp their defense, and the narrative on social media would be, oh boy, this Longhorn defense is going to be fearsome with all the additions that they've made in the transfer portal. What you won't hear is hype for Oklahoma's defense because they haven't made any substantial, well, they have made a couple substantial additions in the transfer portal. I don't want to diminish what a guy like Caden Woolard brings to the table, but they haven't made any seismic additions in the transfer portal on defense because they don't need to. They're bringing nine of 11 starters back. So, Again, not everybody's starting from the same point. Yes, Texas's portal class is a pretty impressive one, but for any OU fans that are worried that their program isn't keeping up with the Joneses in the transfer portal, I would just remind you, Texas is losing a lot more than Oklahoma is going into 2024. They have more holes to fill, more gaps to stop. There you go. All right, break time right here. We have Brandon Drum joining us, OU Insider, next segment on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Don't forget to get out here tonight and uh, participate in the 80K 
winnings resolution giveaway. You could win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play. Drawings tonight. Get out here. Have your wild card. Hopefully hear your name call and collect some cash and bonus play. Hear from our friends at Riverwind Casino. Coming right back, Brandon Drum up next here on The Ref. Brandon Drum, OU Insider, joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline on this Friday. And it's great to have uh, Brandon with us again, talking what else, uh, Sooner football, Sooner recruiting. And uh, Garen Hatchett, you uh, broke that uh, yesterday. The uh, kid from the University of Washington visiting Oklahoma this weekend. What can you tell us about him, Brandon? Uh, Yeah, uh you asked for Garen Hatchett. It kind of beeped in there when you were talking. So is that what is that, that, that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he's uh, got four starts. Um, obviously, um, you know, when I talked to him yesterday, he said his brother, you know, wasn't coming on the visit, or at least they weren't sure quite yet if they were going to visit. So. Uh, that was interesting. Um, I I just find it hard to believe that both won't end up at least, you know, taking a look at Oklahoma really hard. Both of them had Oklahoma as their second choice outside of the home state Washington Huskies at the time. So I would expect Oklahoma to, um, you know, make a strong move for both uh, Garen, Washington, Garen Hatchett and Landon Hatchett. Uh, Landon was a freshman last year. He's an offensive guard. Washington was hoping that both those guys would be their starting offensive guards uh, this coming season. They both are really, really good players. Um, and if Oklahoma can make that work, I think that that's pretty huge um, moving forward. I, I, at the end of the day, you you if you can add both those guys, uh, obviously coming from a Joe Moore Award winning offensive line, and they both played uh Garen Hatchett played in 12 of the 15 games started in four of them before getting injured in three of the games um and that's why he didn't play all 15 games uh this past season uh and then obviously Landon Hatchett was behind him and rotated in at that guard spot and he was he played in nine of the 15 games for Washington this past season so there's a reason why everybody in the country is kind of after both those guys and if Oklahoma can add them to the uh, offensive line uh, that they've already pulled in between Fabichi Nwawu, uh, Michael Tarquin, and obviously uh, Spencer Brown, and then you add the five really good offensive line that they pulled in in the 24 class, this is Bill Beanbo literally flipping that offensive line within a matter of weeks. And it went from being a big question mark so now, all of a sudden, all you have to do is find some, you know, some stability and some cohesiveness between the guys that they got on campus. And it could be, you know, I, I, I won't call it a strength, but I, I will call it a good position for Oklahoma. And that was the big question. And I think that's, at the end of the day, if you're Oklahoma and you can add those two pieces, you're starting to to, to look at, you know, the country looking at them as, you know, eight, nine win season next year in the first season of the SEC to maybe nine, ten wins being kind of the ceiling for Oklahoma. And I think that would be a good start for them in the SEC. 
Brandon, as we count down to a big junior day for Oklahoma on January the 27th, what are your expectations as far as some immediate returns? And I'm referring, of course, to the possibility of commitments. Is there anybody on that January 27th visitor list? First off, where can people find the list? And secondly, is there anybody on the list that you feel could, under the right circumstances, decide to shut things down early in Oklahoma's favor? I guess the shameless plug would be us saying that you can come find that visitor list at OUinsider.com VIP, where Parker and I have compiled a very long list of visitors for January 27th. Uh, and look, it's I don't know that I would – I'm expecting, like, massive returns, right, as far as commitments go. It just isn't how things work in today's college football recruiting world. Uh, I expect these guys to take visits throughout the winter and the spring, and then by July, the end of July, you should have a pretty good idea of how that class is going to look, you know, as far as the numbers being. I expect Oklahoma to probably – I think in the next seven months, Oklahoma will go from nine commits in the 2025 class where they have a top five class already with what they built, uh, mainly because the state of Oklahoma is so thick with talent in 2025, and they're not done in the state of Oklahoma, just so we make that clear. And then at, I, I, would, I, I think by the end of July, you're looking at you know, 20, 21 commits maybe. I think that's probably where they tap out at. It's not going to be a really big class generally like they have had over the last few years because Oklahoma's a young team. So, and you, you don't expect a lot of, you know, attrition. So, uh, but I, I think this junior day coming up, maybe a commit or two you could see, maybe Oklahoma get into the double digit range as far as commits. And if you can have that by the end of July, uh, Oklahoma really doesn't have to do a whole lot moving forward. They can, they can get a couple of, mit, couple of commits, maybe in March, a couple in May, a couple in June, and then be pretty much done with the class. And I think that's kind of where you're headed. They've, they've set themselves up so well to be another top 10 class that this is, this is why we talked about it, Parker. This is why the way that they've recruited in 22, 23, 24, and then you've got young transfer portal guys with multiple years coming in to add to that roster. This is why we've always felt like 2025 is going to be that year for Oklahoma, right? Like they returned Jackson Arnold as a returning starter. They've got experience across the board on both sides of the ball and, and, and young, very talented and the most five stars they've ever had, right? Like they could, they, by the end of 2025, Oklahoma could have potentially eight, five stars on the roster when 2025 season kicks off. And I think that's the most ever right in the last 20 something years, 30 years, right? Like that's, that's where, Venables and his staff have really changed, and there's several five stars coming in on the 27th. So, uh, as far as visits go, so it's another really, really solid big day for Oklahoma's junior days, and it's the first of two or three over the next few months. Brandon Drum with us, OU Insider, joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. All right, so in the portal now, uh, the Sooners have 12. Uh, you know, it looks like Lance Hurd again, Tennessee. We'll see what happens with uh, Garen Hatchett in that situation. But um, there will be a second portal period after spring, obviously, spring football. Do you expect maybe a few defections from OU after spring football and a few more guys coming in? Do you think it'll be 
You know, maybe a few, or would you expect it might get busy again? Uh, I, I think, you know, there'll probably be one or two, maybe three more, you know, spots to move into the portal. I, I think, I think if any, you would probably have five at most. And that's generally because Oklahoma's over, right, on, on their numbers. So if there are players that end up leaving, it's because I think they were asked to leave in a roundabout way. Like, hey, look, you're like fourth on the depth chart. I don't foresee you making a move. You're a junior or redshirt sophomore. There's some really good freshmen coming in, or this freshman's already jumped you, so the odds of you beating that freshman out later on down the line are smaller. So I I could see Oklahoma moving, you know, between three and five players out, you know, after the spring uh, because they've got to make room. And, and I think if they can, you can get up to five, if they could get up to five or six guys that they could quote, quote process. And I hate using that term, but that's the world of college football today. Right. And if they could get to that, I think maybe if there's other players across the country that hop in the portal, whether at offensive line or, or defensive line, I think Oklahoma would go, and try to make a move there to add to the roster going into June uh, in the summer. That way they they feel comfortable. But, uh, look, I think those tackles, that one spot, that at this point, if they if they get the Hatchet Brothers, I think now you, now you have to look at nose tackle, right? And that's the one spot where the fan base feels that that's, that's it. Well, the, the thing is, is I think Oklahoma feels really good about Jaden Jackson. You're going to get to watch him tonight on the Polynesian Bowl and the Polynesian Bowl. I think that's going to be on the NFL Network. Uh, him and David Stone will be out there playing in that game. And he got to go through the bowl practices, and I spoke to a source the other day that said getting David Stone and Jaden Jackson to come in in the same class was like getting uh, Tyler Davis and Brian Barisi. And they were in different classes at Clemson and started as freshmen, both of them throughout their whole freshman season. And that's kind of how they feel about both those guys coming in. They think that they're going to change the fabric of that defensive line as far as depth goes, that nose tackle and that defensive tackle. And if they really live up to that hype and the expectation that people around the Switzer Center feel, I don't know that Oklahoma goes and adds another nose tackle, even though that's, that's a spot that the fan base would like to see that addition made. Yeah, I saw some video again. Jaden Jackson, man, he's tough to. He's he's a he's a player, no doubt about it. And uh, as much as uh, Suter fans have been excited about David Stone, I think uh, you know pretty early on they're going to find out they got a really good prospect also mm-hmm. in Jaden Jackson from IMG, no doubt. Hey, Brandon, thank you very much. Enjoy the weekend, and we will talk to you next Friday. All right, thanks, guys. Brandon Drum joining us on the uh, Riverwind Casino Hotline. Let's take a break. We've got one more segment to go. We'll get to a few texts and uh, a few more sports notes for you when we get back. Keep it right here. Friday edition of Steelman and Thune, the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. We are back Friday at Riverwind Casino. Get on out here tonight. Enjoy a great meal. The River Buffet at Steak Night. You can find some great dishes at Chips and Ales Pub Restaurant. They've got TV screens in your individual booths in the uh, Chips and Ales Pub Restaurant, which is really, really cool. 
They've got a great food court, newly redesigned. You won't miss a game over there. It's big time. And you can come out today and uh, hopefully win a bunch of cash and bonus play in the 80K winning resolutions giveaway happening tonight at Riverwind. And, again, they're giving away $80,000 in cash and bonus play in this promotion. Get out here early in the evening for the preliminary drawings and the grand prize drawing uh, just before midnight. A lot of people very happy every Friday night uh, during this promotion and its run because they've been winning a lot of cash and bonus play. All right, uh, busy weekend. We've got uh, the Sooners at Cincinnati coming up tomorrow at noon on ESPN+. Plus. Cincinnati, big physical. Again, tremendous rebounding team. Should be a contrast of styles. The Sooners, you're going to have to get some good minutes out of Sam Godwin, John Hughley, maybe even Luke Northweather as well. Um, Cincinnati, pretty tough at home, but a game that if Oklahoma plays well, they should be able to win this. But uh, Cincinnati is a pretty good team. The Sooners were fifth in the uh, latest Joe Lenardi bracketology uh, seedings yesterday. They were fifth, seeded uh, fifth in uh, one of the regions. I can't remember where Joe Lenardi put them, but they are a five seed. Okay, then the uh, Thunder tomorrow night uh, will play at Minnesota, top two teams in the West. The last time the Thunder faced the T-Wolves, it was in Oklahoma City, and they buried Minnesota by 23 points. Uh, that tips tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. NFL Divisional Playoffs happening beginning tomorrow. Houston at Baltimore. No Mark Andrews still out for this game. Might be back for a potential AFC Championship game. The Ravens are nearly a 10-point favorite. Uh, that's 3.30 on ABC ESPN. Green Bay at the 49ers tomorrow night, 7.15 on Fox. Baker and the Bucks at the Lions, 2 o'clock on NBC Sunday. Detroit favored by six and a half, and then the Chiefs at Buffalo, five thirty Sunday on CBS. Which game are you? Well, you're going to be. It's going to be the Buccaneers. But of the other three games, it's got to be Chiefs Buffalo, right? I'm actually really intrigued. Well, yes, that matchup is undeniably great. I mean, you two, you get two of the finest quarterbacks of this era going at it in the postseason once again. But I think a very under-the-radar matchup is that Houston-Baltimore tilt because obviously Baltimore has been unable to get over the postseason hump with Lamar Jackson as their quarterback uh, and have never lasted very long in the AFC postseason picture as long as he's been at the helm. So this this looks like their year where they're going to have the best chance to potentially – Uh, put that stigma to rest. But then you have the Texans, a team that was not expected to be a playoff team in 2023. And really, you were laying the foundation for a rebuild in Houston with C.J. Stroud and that core of young receivers. And lo and behold, they, just like Green Bay, have been able to turn that young core into a very exciting offense. And so, especially given the Ravens' recent history of struggles – in the postseason, I'm real interested to see whether the Texans can go to M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore and make a game of that. Yeah, you've got in those Saturday matchups, Parker, you've got a, a great rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud who's been unbelievable. Uh, and then Jordan Love, of course, playing great football, torched the Cowboys last week, and you've got two really good young quarterbacks that are big underdogs in those Saturday games. Who would you take right now 
if you had to pick between C.J. Stroud and Jordan Love? Oh, man, I would take C.J. Stroud. I would probably take C.J. Stroud. He's been so special, man, and he is, again, the hand he was dealt in Houston wasn't a terrible one. Like It wasn't like he had no weapons showing up there. He had some exciting young dudes in that wide receiver room, but I think most everybody expected, okay, it's going to be two or three years. Even if C.J. Stroud pans out, it's going to be two or three years before this team is playing ball with the big boys. They're doing it in his rookie season, and – if I'm if I'm building a team around one of the two, I give Stroud the edge over Love. Yeah, I like them both uh, quite a bit, but I think I'd go with C.J. Stroud too. And uh, you know, if all the conversation about C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, you know, a lot of it is your situation. But it's not like uh, Carolina and uh, Houston are both stacked organizations. But uh, C.J. Stroud, obviously, with the Pretty sizable edge there so far. Ask Baker what Carolina was like, particularly after Christian McCaffrey was out of there. And, um, you know, I, I can't wait. You know, Mike Florio, take it for what it's worth, says there's a chance that Andy Reid might retire after this playoff. And, I don't know, Florio seems like he's a little clickbaitish these days. Yeah, Florio Actually, might be it. washed, which is unfortunate. A lot, yeah. But he might be washed. He might be. Yeah, so we'll see. But uh, snow games, I'm all for snow games. We might have one in Baltimore. I think the uh, it's gonna, just going to be cold in Buffalo, but who knows what could blow up there, uh, blow in weather-wise. And uh, I'm always ready for football in the snow. That's always highly entertaining. All right, and uh, Baker and the Buccaneers, six-and-a-half-point underdogs at Detroit. First game out, 2 o'clock on NBC on Sunday. All right, that's it for us. Appreciate you guys checking in. Hope you have a great weekend. Thanks to our friends, Justin and everybody, out here at Riverwind Casino. Get on out here. Have a great meal. You know, you could stay the weekend at the hotel, make it a weekend, win some uh, cash and bonus play, potentially win a jackpot, dine well at the great restaurant options, and take part tonight in the 80K winning resolutions giveaway drawings. Have a fabulous Friday and a wonderful weekend. We'll see you.